is great to be together, all of our campuses coming together in person and online, and we are so thankful uh, for all of our worship pastors. They do such a great job. We're thankful for Wes Boggs out in uh, Robinson. He does a fantastic job for Megan uh, Lingenhole in Washington. Uh, Ted's still doing the thing out there in uh, Wilkinsburg, and we always appreciate uh, Ted's leadership of worship. Alan Booth doing a great job with you guys in Ross Traver. I'm very excited about what, what is happening there. And DeBerry, I know uh, they are excited because you guys are excited because you just hired a new worship pastor there. And then we always appreciate Rick, don't we, here in the South Hills. And uh, he also leads us all online. Now, 1215 every Wednesday, uh, Dave and I, normally Dave and I, sometimes Rick and I are doing um, uh, just a devotion during the week. Uh, you can, it's live, you can, you can focus in on that. Uh, join us live every Wednesday, or you can, you can pick it up at another time. It's always uh, posted there. But to get things going, it's at 12.15, but at 12.05, we just do a little interaction with those joining online. And this past week, we asked, what was your first car? It was an inter interesting, uh, interesting uh, results from that. And so uh, we asked the online campus, this online campus, what their first car was, just to get them engaged a little bit in what we're doing here. And uh, I'm going to read some of these. This comes from our onliners tonight. Um, you guys see if you have, uh, have any of these cars, if you've recognized any of these cars. First cars for those online, 1959 Chevy Bel Air, white with red fins and a huge all-cap engine. That was actually a pretty good car, wasn't it? 2009 silver Nissan, 1982 Malibu. I had a 1975 Malibu classic, great car, lost in a flood, another store. Uh, 1963 red Ford Galaxy, those were pretty cool. Anyone have a car close to that? 1964 VW Beetle. Anyone have a, a, a Beetle? Volkswagen, couple. Um, 1974 red Dodge Dart with the white stripe down the middle. You knew they were coming, uh, didn't you? A blue Dodge Omni, it keeps going. Dave DiDonato even put one in tonight. He said he and his brother shared a 1990 red Plymouth Laser. I'm not sure what that is. I have to go look that up later. A laser. And then they keep coming. Uh, 1971 Yellow Super Beetle. 1967 Chrysler 300. 1973 Chevrolet Malibu. Anyone in person have any of those cars that those online have? At any of our campuses? Not at all. We have a whole different group uh, here in person than online. Well, we do invite you to join us at those 1215s, and we have a little fun just interacting beforehand. And then uh, last time, uh, we talked about just what it means to love each other during this crazy time. And so we want you to uh, be a part of that as we do those at 1215. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we look at his word today. Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and you care for us. You know who we are. You know each of us by name. You know what we're Going, what's going on in our life, you know, the, the things going on in our heart. And so we pray that as we come to you, that you would be the God who speaks to us today. Please speak to us. 
let us know that when we leave here today, we've heard from you, the eternal God, the loving God, the caring God. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We want to learn more about you today as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are involved in a series of sermons titled, Know God. We believe what the writer A.W. Tozer says when he says, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. We believe that, that what comes to our mind when we think about God, knowing God truly is the most important thing about us because that kind of sets the stage for everything else in our life. The purpose of this series is very straightforward. We, we want to know God more intimately. Don't you want that? To know God more intimately. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I can feel distanced from God. And I've even put this August to be a time when I just know God more intimately, come to know him in a way that's, that's deeper than it has been. To live for him more intentionally. To, to know your purpose in life. To know why God put you on this earth. And then to share the love of God more boldly. And that's our, that's, our, that's our mission. To share God's love more boldly in our life. Last uh, time, Dave focused on the incomprehensibility of God. And I know the campuses had live preaching as well. The campus pastors preached a great job on the incomprehensibility of God. And we think about that, right? So we could say God is eternal. Now just think about it. God being eternal, his eternality. There was never a time when God wasn't and there'll never be a time when God isn't. We always have to have a beginning and end, right? But not God. And that, there's, there's no place in our mind to put that. We say God is incomprehensible and yet this incomprehensible God shows himself to us. He wants us to know him, so he shows himself to us in creation, in his word, and then through his son. So it's amazing, isn't it? That God is beyond human understanding and he makes himself known to us. Now today we want to talk about another aspect of God's incomprehensibility. It's a doctrine that remains a mystery. Our minds cannot grasp it. And yet, we can experience this real truth in a powerful way in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about God existing, one God existing in three persons. One God existing in three persons. Now, what do we, what do we call that? Right, we call that the doctrine of of the Trinity, and how many, how many of you can tell me how many times, who can tell me how many times the Trinity is mentioned in Scripture? Anybody? Zero. Zero. Trinity is never mentioned in Scripture. It's a word, actually a Latin word, that means three-ness. And while the word Trinity is never mentioned in Scripture, the truth of the Trinity is found throughout Scripture, that God exists in three 
persons. One God in three persons. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. Monotheistic. Our faith is monotheistic. One God. In the New Testament as well, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but what? One. And while the Lord is one, we also see throughout Scripture God the Father, God the Son, and what? God the Holy Spirit. One God existing in three persons. Each person fully God. Each person with equal attributes. Each person equal in position. Each one distinct, yet working together in perfect harmony. And it's a mystery. One God in three persons. Incomprehensible. Now I know that some of you are going to go and you're going to type an email, so you're going to write an email to me, and you're going to say, no, here's the way it works. This is my favorite illustration about the Trinity, Right? And you're going to tell me water, it's water, and then water is in three, you know, uh, liquid and ice and steam. Or you're going to tell me you get a prism and you look through a prism and three uh, light uh, rays shoot out. Or or you're going to tell me it's like a person, right? Yeah, a person, like I'm a man, but but I'm a husband, I'm a son first, and then I'm a husband and then I'm a father. None of those explain this incomprehensible truth of the Trinity. It's a mystery. In fact, some of those actually are heretical. They don't, not just they don't explain God, they explain him in a way that's not, that's not true. So we have to end up by saying, here's something that's a mystery to us. We can't comprehend it. It shouldn't surprise us. We're thinking of a God who is eternal, right? We can't put that in our brain. So the Trinity is a mystery. We have to accept that. While we can't explain it, today we want to talk about this truth, how we can embrace it and enjoy the power of this attribute of God called the Trinity. And the best place to start is Genesis chapter 1. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. And I want to show you the Trinity in the first three verses of the Bible. Chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word for God there is Elohim, The word for God used often in scripture is El. Elohim is the plural of that word. So that would tempt us to say right from the very beginning, God describes himself in a plurality. But we can't be tempted to do that because the verb is singular. And all Moses is doing there as he writes this, it's called a plural of intensity or a plural of majesty. He is saying Elohim, God, there's no one like him. He is the mighty God. He's the mighty creator. In the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. So you're not going to find Trinity in the the plural word 
Elohim. But if you go to the next verse, check this out. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So right there in verse two, we have God and then we have in verse two, who? The spirit of God. So right in Genesis chapter one and two, we have at least two people in the Godhead, the spirit hovering over the face of the water. Hover means to flutter or fly. It's used in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 11 of an eagle stirring up its nest and fluttering over its young. So here's a picture of God hovering over this formlessness and emptiness, getting ready for this magnificent creation. And by the way, we see the Holy Spirit doing the same thing in our life. Hovering over us in our emptiness, getting ready to introduce us to Jesus. And we become this new creation. Look at chapter one, verse three. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now the Old Testament reader at this point just would know that God spoke the world into existence. God said, let there be light, and there was light, right? The psalmist later would say, by, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. But we know the best commentary of Scripture is what? Scripture. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And so when we turn to the New Testament, the gospel writer John takes us to the very deep end of the pool and causes us to jump in off the diving board in the deep end First, or John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Notice what he says. In the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus, the Word. He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, Jesus was there. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And so now, when we see God spoke, it's the word of God. Jesus is the word. And so we can see in the first three verses of Scripture, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and then the word, the agent of creation, God the Son, the Trinity right there. So now if we're in the New Testament and we look at John 1 and we didn't have the Old Testament, let's say, we would know that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. So now we have two, but John doesn't want us to stop there. And Jesus doesn't want us to stop there. We turn over to John chapter 14, verse 6, 16. John 14, 16, and Jesus says, I will ask the Father. He's, he says, I'm going to die, I'm going I'm to be gone, but I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you what? Another helper to be with you forever. That word helper is a rich word that means counselor or advocate uh, or one to befriend you. It describes one who comes and encourages you and supports you and assists you and cares for you and shoulders the responsibility for you. Now, Jesus said, I'm going to send another helper, which means he was the first helper. And so when we see Jesus with the disciples, when we see Jesus physically with the disciples, then we know what this 
other helper is going to be like. When we see Jesus teaching the disciples, calling the disciples to himself, teaching the disciples, caring for the disciples, forgiving the disciples, being patient with them, loyal to them, providing for their well-being, what Jesus did physically present with his disciples, the Holy Spirit now does spiritually as he lives within us. So while the Trinity is a mystery, here's the way it works. God the Father sent his Son to represent him to do his work. God the Father and God the Son sent the Spirit to act as an agent and witness of Jesus. So we could say it like this. Now, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit do other things, but we could say it like this. God the Father initiates a plan for a relationship with us. God the Son carries out the plan. And God, the Holy Spirit, implements the plan. God initiates it. Jesus carries it out. And the Holy Spirit implements it. Now let's just think through that. When, uh, when we think of a truth of Scripture, when we think of any truth of Scripture, we always have to ask the question, so what? So what? And when we ask the question, so what? It moves a truth from our mind, right? To our heart. If I just leave it here, it's just a truth. It's just a fact. And I can have my head full of facts. But when I ask the question, so what? I have to say, what does that mean to me? How do I apply that? Okay, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So what? So let's talk about the so what. This is the application of the Trinity. And I believe it's a powerful application for all of us. God wants us to know that he loves us. God the Father loves you. For God so, John 3, 16, we know that verse well, don't we? For God so loved the world. We see that in creation as he makes this great universe for us to live in. We see it as he provides food and water and air for us to breathe. We see it as he gives us everything we need to live. And then sin enters the world and we are separated from God. And God loves us so much that he wants to buy us back from the slavery to sin. He wants to make a gap. There's a gap between us and God. He wants to bridge the gap. God the Father loves you. His very name describes what he wants to be for you. He wants to be your eternal heavenly father. He knows you inside and out. He knows the dark part of your heart and he still wants to be your heavenly father. He wants a relationship with you. Right now, he wants to bring you into his family. And here's what blows my mind. The creator of all things, all-knowing, eternal, all-powerful, incomprehensible. You know what he wants us to call him? Think about this. He wants us to call him Daddy. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. 
For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry what? Abba, Father. Just think about that. It blows my mind. Abba is an Aramaic word for the endearing term of a father. We would use the word dad or daddy. God the Father wants to be your daddy. He wants that intimate relationship with you. Now, I've got to be honest. When I shared that truth with Jamie, she didn't buy it at all. The Heavenly Father reminded her of her earthly father who abandoned her and abused her. She wanted no part of God the Father. Not even if she could call him Abba, Daddy. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe your father has abandoned you or left you or didn't or doesn't give you the time of day. One writer calls that the father wound. And unfortunately, the father wound is all too common. Talk to people all the time who suffer from the father wound. But I just want you to know this. God the Father is a perfect Father. His love for you is everlasting. He will never let you go. He will never leave you. He'll never hurt you. He'll never disappoint you. His plans for you are perfect. God loves you. Psalm 103, as far as high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Jeremiah chapter 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I continue my faithfulness to you. He wants you to be in his presence. He wants you, as it were, to jump into his arms and feel his embrace. He wants to hear your your high-pitched, fast-talking voice when you're excited about stuff. And he wants to hear your sobs and your pain. He wants you to burst into his presence and just share your heart with him. He's a God we call Father. And he loves you so much. God so loves you. What did he do? He sent his son to carry out a plan of rescue. God the Father loves you. God the Son rescued you. When we were in our sin, when our backs were turned on God, God demonstrated his love to us in this. He sent Jesus to die for us on a cross. God the Son came to rescue you. God the Son came to die for your sins, to do for you what you and I couldn't do for ourselves. When our, when, our, when our backs were turned on him, Jesus still died for us. When we had no thought of him, Jesus died for us. When we were walking away from him, Jesus died for us. And by trusting in the work of Jesus, our rescuer, God declares us not guilty because we trust in the perfect work of his son. God declares us a special child, holy, set apart for him because we trust in the work of his son, our rescuer. We have peace with God. We have confidence to run into his presence. God the Father loves us. God the Son rescues us. And God the Holy Spirit 
befriends us. We're separated from God, walking away from him. But remember in Genesis how the Holy Spirit hovered over the formlessness and the void of the earth when it was empty? So when our hearts are empty, when our hearts are formless, when our hearts are dark, the Holy Spirit hovers over us. And guys, I gotta tell you, it's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes. Think about the time you trusted in Christ. It wasn't because someone finally explained the gospel to you so clearly that you couldn't miss it. It was because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and opened your heart and gave you new life. We were dead in our spiritual, in, in our sins. Ephesians 2, 5, uh, 4 and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us what? Alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's the Holy Spirit who comes and opens our eyes and lives within us and befriends us. He allows us to say, I believe. Jenny Baker lost her husband and three children in the course of four years. A few weeks ago, we, uh, because of a lot of situations, uh, we buried all four of them uh, a couple weeks ago. And I remember standing out at a hot uh, cemetery out in Chartiers and with, the, with those four urns there on the ground. And we gathered the family around, and we talked about another mystery. We talked about the resurrection. And uh, we talked that one day, every, every believer, their body is going to be raised from the grave. And I said, what an amazing truth. It's incomprehensible. It's hard to believe what's going to happen here. And then what you know, Jenny said, standing among her family, her family's around her. She was sitting in a chair, and, uh, a, a lawn chair in the middle. You know what, what she said? And God gives us the faith to believe that. And that's exactly true. That's the deep truth of Scripture. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the faith to believe that. It's God the Father who loves us. It's God the Son who rescues us. It's God the Holy Spirit who befriends us and lives within us. Don't you want to know that God. Don't you want to know that God? The God who loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you on a cross to pay the penalty of your sin. The God who loves you so much that he would send another comforter, another helper, another advocate to befriend you, to be with you forever. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. You're never alone, You're never by yourself. God gives you the strength and the power to do anything he calls you to do. There's no temptation that's, that's not common to man, and God is faithful. And if you say, God, I can't handle this on my own, but I know the Holy Spirit lives within me, I can handle any temptation in my life. Isn't that the God you want to know? As we wrap this up, very quickly, I just want to invite you to trust in this God. I don't know where you are. I don't know those of you joining us online. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk. 
at the campuses. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk, but here's the most important thing. God loves you. He sent his son Jesus to rescue you. He sent the Holy Spirit to befriend you. That's the God we serve. And that's the God who invites you into a personal relationship with him. Invites you into his family. Will you do that right now? If you've not trusted in Christ right now, if you're online, there's a little button to check. I want to trust in Christ. I want to pray with someone. Make sure you check the button. I want to pray with someone because we want to pray with you and help you get started. If you're here at any of our campuses, right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. This prayer will not, this prayer will not save you. This is a guide to allow you, if God's working in your heart, and you know it, if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart, you feel that urge, you feel that calling. I'm going to ask you to just use this prayer as a guide. Father, I, I acknowledge you as the God who loves me. God, the Son who rescued me. God, the Holy Spirit who has opened my eyes to see my sin. The one who came from heaven itself. God, Jesus came from, from heaven itself to a cradle in the dirt. for my sins on the cross. And right now, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you as the only way to have a relationship with the living God. I trust in you. I want to know you. Forgive me of my sins. Place me into this family. I want to call you Daddy. God the Father who loves me. I want to know Jesus who rescued me. I want to know the Holy Spirit who befriends me and walks with me every day of my life. I trust in you. If you've prayed that prayer, man, we want to know that. Whether you're online or right here with us, we want to know that so we can walk with you and we can help you in this journey with Jesus Christ. There's a song that we're going to sing now that is a fantastic song that wraps up what we have been talking about all along. And it tells us Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask you to join as we sing the verses. Think of the words of every verse, but when we get to that chorus, belt it out, right? Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Kings.